Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Parsley, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I'm the senior pastor of World Harvest Church and the founder of Valor Christian College, the School of the Spirit. Now, on this podcast, I'm putting together powerful messages, practical teachings, and insightful lectures from over 40 years of full-time ministry. So get ready, open up your heart, and let's head into today's episode. Well, this is part three of our eight-part series, Effective Leadership 300. It's designed to impart to you the leadership strategies, skills that God has shared with me in over 40 years of ministry. Now, if you haven't heard parts one and two, I sure encourage you to go back and listen to them before you go ahead with this one. Today, we're going to be exploring leadership skills as they relate to people who possess different personalities or different temperaments. It's important as we discover that people are not interchangeable parts. If you want to follow along, head on over to rodparsley.com slash leadership 300 and request the digital study guide I put together just for you. It also includes some information to determine your own personality type to help you better understand areas of leadership that come more naturally to you. Now let's head into lesson three, Sandbox Rules, the Kindergarten PhD. All right, we've got 60 minutes and here we go. We're gonna discuss tonight in our third lecture, Sandbox Rules, the kindergarten PhD. This is everything you should have learned in kindergarten but missed. Some of you were absent in kindergarten. How many of you did make kindergarten? You made kindergarten. Anybody? You went to kindergarten. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Hello? I thought, there for a minute, I thought maybe they just set up mannequins in here for me. Are, are you there, really? How many of you went to kindergarten? All right, well, we're going to get you the PhD on that material tonight. Let me start with grammar lesson number one. I know you're loving these, and this is one I've been waiting to get to for a very long time. Survey says the difference in commonly confused words. The words are seen and saw. Seen and saw. Let's say them both out loud. Seen and seen and saw. You use saw only when you are speaking or you are writing in the past tense. English, unfortunately, only has three tenses, past, present, and future. The wonderful Greeks, and it's one of the reasons Jesus came uh, during the time when the Greek language was at its summit, uh, because it had six verb tenses. So we have past tense, we say we were born again. But the Greeks had no such thing as that. They had what was called the aorist tense, and that is a present progressive tense, which means you are continually in a state of being saved. You understand the difference? But we have past, present, and future. So you use saw only when you are speaking or writing in the past tense, and when has, have, or had is not a part of the verb. All right, so let me give you an improper statement. 
we seen that movie last week. Yes, that's improper. We, and we hear this consistently over and over and over and over. I seen it. We seen it. Seen is not used in that way. Proper usage would be we saw that movie last week. Not we seen the movie last week. We saw the movie last week. A proper use would be we had seen that movie last week. Why? Because had now is part of the verb. We had seen. Yes? You would not say improperly we had saw that movie last week. You got it? Do you have it? So you use, you use saw when? Past tense. Unless what is attached to the verb? Very good. So you would not say we had seen it. We, we had saw it. You would not say that. You would not say we seen the car go across the road. Okay? I have to deal with this constantly with young men and women that want to be in a pulpit. They, they, it, it, it is very, very difficult for you to ever rise above where you are if you don't learn at least a resemblance of the proper use of the language. So learn it. Everybody say, it's not about culture. It's, not about culture. it's about correctness. It's about correctness. Okay. So, let me give you now quote number one of the week. It, in matters of style, swim with the current. But in matters of principle, stand like a rock. Thomas Jefferson. What a powerful statement, is it not? What a powerful truth. In matters of style, go ahead and swim with the current. If the style is to wear, you know, peach-colored skirts, well, go ahead. That's a matter of style. But when it gets to matters of principle, a woman adorning herself immodestly, then you have to stand like a rock. And regardless of what the current culture says, you have to do what is right, right. Say, I will do what is right, right. I'm going to remind you from the first week, there is always a dress code. Everywhere you are, in every situation and circumstance, there's always a dress code. If you're going to work at McDonald's, there's a dress code. If you're going to work at a bank, there's a dress code. If you're going to be a teacher, there's a dress code. If you're going to be an architect, there's a dress code. If you're going to be a truck driver, there's a dress code. You're going to look really silly driving an 18 rig in a three-piece business suit. But there is a uniform. Amen? All right. Now, Scripture, Deuteronomy 32.4, I love it. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. He is a God of truth without in... Thank you. And sometimes my abbreviations get in my way. He is just and right is he. Say God is right. He's not right part of the time. He's right all the time. All the time, God is right. 
God is looking for people who do not need to be right, recognized, regarded, or rewarded. You want to advance as a leader? Don't surrender your right to be right. Because sometimes you're going to be wrong even though you're right. Please do not correct your superiors in front of other people. If they get it wrong and you think you're going to advance by calling them out on it, you're wrong. So there, there are times that you're wrong even when you're right because you're demanding your right to be right. Husbands, wives, spouses, never, ever, 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 never, ever, never correct your spouse in front of other people. It is demeaning, it is demoralizing. Don't do it. Uh, there, there, there's a certain couple, and I promise you, if, if, if I'm around them for 15 minutes, one of them will correct the other one three times. Stop. Stop. Don't do that. It's rude. You want to say something to someone? That's perfectly fine. Draw them to the side. It's embarrassing, first of all, and it doesn't show you to be superior. Smile at me. Now, if Miss Joni's making fun of me, that's wonderful. In fact, I tell Miss Joni, when you get in the pulpit, make lots of fun of me. People love it. <laughs> and they do. Y'all go crazy. She says something silly about me. She wrote a whole book about it. So enjoy it. God's looking for people that don't have to be right, recognized, rewarded, or regarded. They don't have to be popular. They don't need a position. They don't need a promotion and they don't need a pat on the back because a man's gift will make room for him. You don't make room for your gift. Your gift makes room for you. They are compelled by an inward desire to serve an infallible leader with irresistible power, which is based upon absolute truth. You let nothing turn your plow when you get a hold of truth. That's what our scriptures say, that God is a rock. Just and right is he. It's our quote. In matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. Stand on your principles. Stand for something or you will fall for everything. We have it rampant. Oh, here I go. We have it rampant in the church today. Rampant. Dig in the scriptures yourself. Seek out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Study to show yourself approved. Boy, I'm preaching. Study to show yourself approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Able yourself to rightly divide the word of truth. Get in a good, solid, strong, Bible-believing, doctrinally sound church. Not an entertainment organization. Some place that cares enough to tell you the truth even when it is not popular. The only people that are men pleasers are men pleasers. Here we go now, I like to give you, it's, it's, it's Effective Leadership 300, so I like, to, I like to give you something out of Judges 6 and 7 every week. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but what I wanna share with you this week comes from verse 14, and your Bible says that Gideon was known in the camp of his adversary. I'm gonna teach you tonight that regardless of what your personality traits are, hell ought to tremble when you get up in the morning. 
Kingdoms ought to shake when your eyes come open. You need to begin to believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to believe that you can rise above where you are. All you need to do is work hard and believe. Amen. Have a dream. You are known in the camp of your adversary, but don't go out of here and be trying to cast out devils in the name of Pastor, Pastor Rod, who Elder Canfield amens. The sons of Sceva tried that in your Bible over in Acts 19, 15. And those demons screamed back, Paul we know, and Jesus we know. I love to preach this, Elder. But who in the whippy ding dong are you? That's, that's a reason that sometimes you can't make things move. You can't make adversaries leave. You, you get overwhelmed because you're trying to live in somebody else's experience. Look, you have to get God for yourself. You have to get confidence for yourself. You have to study the scriptures for yourself. And you're the very people to do it. Look at you out here at 530 on a Sunday night. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You ought to be making the devil's hit list. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Stop running from the adversary. He is conquered. Shout, he is conquered and he is controlled. He has no right, no standing. Give him no opportunity. Give him no place. Greater is he that is in me than he, I feel leadership coming now. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? Exodus 15, 14, the people shall hear of you and be afraid. Everybody in your business sector is about to get afraid of you because of the favor of God on you. A man came to me this morning and said, Pastor, pray for me. I said, what's up? He said, my business is exploding. And I said, glory to God for that. I told you it would. He said, well, would you lay hands on me? I said, well, I'd like to know what I'm praying for. And he handed me a little piece of paper and he said, I'm going this week to close a $15 million deal in my business. Well, close, baby, close. Amen. I said, close, baby, close. Shove your neighbor and say, learn to close. Amen, learn to close. Close the deal, make the sale, be an influencer of people, be a leader. Okay, anyway, uh, Deuteronomy 2.26. This day, God will put dread and fear of you in the hearts of your enemy. Deuteronomy 11.25, no man will be able to stand before you. This is the stuff I eat every day. No wonder, it's spiritual Wheaties. I'm not intimidated. A weak faith will be intimidated. How can I be weak when the Bible says Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed, forged, prepared against me shall prevail nor prosper. Glory to God. Man, you eat this kind of Wheaties in the morning before you go out, you throw that Tell her sash up at that bank and be ready to bless everything that even thinks about coming near you. You'll be watching somebody's head in the bowl and just get the Holy Ghost shakes. Amen. Be a leader. 
Jeremiah 20, 11, the Lord is with me. Therefore, my persecutors shall fall. One of the most influential business books of the last 20 years is a book entitled Good to Great by Jim Collins. He examined companies uh, that had spent years performing at nominal average levels and then for some reason quickly became top performing companies. He wanted to study them to see what they had in common. The most important quality that he discovered was this, getting people, the right people on the right bus. You learn this, honey, I'll put you to work tomorrow. Getting the right people on the right bus. Wait, he wasn't done yet. And then getting the people that are on the bus in the right seat. <laughs> in other words, putting a good team together finding out who's qualified to do what, giving people work that leverages their strength and minimizes their weaknesses. That's your job as a leader. Even if you don't have control over who happens to be on your team, you can do the best job you can possibly do at getting them in the right, on the right bus and in the right seat. Everybody understand right bus, right seat? I, I like to say it this way. Most, most businesses don't succeed. Many people don't succeed because they try to give a dog a tree climbing job. Dogs do not climb trees. They are not going to climb trees. They have never climbed trees and they never will climb trees. And they can stand there. I've been out there and I've watched trees. I've watched dogs with a cat in the tree and the cat up there just hissing away. And Elder Canfield, I've watched those dogs jump up that tree, trying every way to claw that tree, trying to learn. And that's the way some of you are. You're not succeeding because you don't recognize who you are and what God created you to do. And you're trying to be somebody that you're not. Oh, that was, okay, I'm done tonight. That was it right there. You find out who you are, what your gifts are, what your strengths are, and then you find an opportunity to get in something that, that, that makes those strengths come to life. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And that's what you do as a leader. You find people. People are not interchangeable parts. They're not interchangeable parts in, in your organization. Your children, God bless you, your children are not interchangeable parts. Why do you make all your children, why do you discipline all your children the same way? They're not the same people. Just because it works with one doesn't mean it works with the other. All my mother or father had to do is look at me and say, we're ashamed of what you've done. You have embarrassed us. And I'd spend the next three days under the bed crying my eyes out. They could say that to my sister and she'd say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and the forms of discipline they used on her, which I won't mention unless somebody put it on YouTube, did not work on me. My sister would say, look, if they give us the opportunity to have a talking to or a whipping, take the talking to. The whipping will go away really quick. But that talking to is gonna last a long, long time. Amen, you understand? I can't give Aston and Austin the same things to do. 
I can't expect one of them to do what the other does. They're not the same people. Amen? So learn where you fit and learn where the people fit that work with you. It requires an understanding of personality types. Now the Bible doesn't mention personality types, but you need to find out uh, that the Bible presents us with different types of personalities that God used in very mighty ways. There is not just, get this, get this, get it, shout, I'm gonna get it. This, that God does not bless just one kind of person. I get so weary with everybody thinking you have to be an extrovert. The only thing there is to do in the kingdom of God is get on a platform and have a microphone and talk to people or sing as if that's all there is in the kingdom. Look, the kingdoms of this world, they have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Be a Holy Ghost filled, inspired business leader. Be the best housewife you can be. Lead that family, man. When they walk into school, in the morning. Let their shoulders snap together and let their back make like a T-rail and let them stick. Don't let them be slouching. Mama, make them stand up straight. Teach them how to sit at a table. Teach them what fork to use from the other fork. Be a leader. Are you bored? Okay. I'm subject to bursts of enthusiasm. Let me give you a, a, a case let me give you a case of contrast. Uh, there were two men in your Bible. One was named Peter and one was named John. Peter was a fisherman. He was a man's man, rough and rugged. Always pulling out his sword, cutting somebody's ear off. God used him, didn't he? I said he used him mightily, didn't he? You remember Peter and John, they ran together to the tomb and of course, it was Peter that outran John and ran into the tomb. Folks like me will run into most anything. Amen. And then there was John, much more contemplative. He was the apostle of love. His writings surrounded themselves with the teachings of Jesus, the deeper things of the kingdom of God. He was contemplative and meditative. He didn't act on impulse. He was clear-headed. Now, there were a lot of similarities between the two of them. Both of them were magnificent leaders, but it would be hard to imagine them, you know, running in the same circle. They didn't, they probably didn't go to Applebee's together, right? Because they had completely contrasting styles. Jesus put them together. Peter was probably what we commonly refer to as an extrovert. John was probably what we refer to as an introvert. Note this though, extrovert, introvert, the difference uh, is not that one is outgoing and one is shy. You can be a shy extrovert, I am. I'm, 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 you, you and I together in a room, and I doubt that I could find five words to say to you. Darren and I made good traveling companions for 20 years because we could go three days on a road trip and barely speak to each other at all, at all. But if you and I were together in a room, I'm what you would know as the shyest person in the room. I can't speak to you, my face turns red. I don't know what people find to talk about, but give me a Bible and a group of people and a microphone and you know, you'll be texting each other saying, when's this guy gonna hush? 
right? So shyness doesn't have anything to do with it. Extroverts, extroverts get their energy from other people. People think it's very strange regarding me. The more people that are in this room, the more comfortable I become. You put a thousand people in this room, I'm comfortable. You put 2,000, I'm more comfortable. You put me in front of 10,000, I'm more comfortable. Give me 50,000 like I had in, in, uh, in Nicaragua and I'm, I'm as comfortable as you would be sitting in your living room. But you put me in a room with two people and I'll freeze up like a lolly, like a icicle pop to you. You understand? Well, do you or not? So, so I get my energy from other people. There are a lot of my team sitting on the front row. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the front row that have to tolerate me. Eight, they're just all over the place. They just have to tolerate me all the time. Have you ever been in a meeting just with me? No. Why? Because I don't do that. I, the fuller the room, the more creative I become. I don't care if you're not doing anything but sitting over there drinking my water. The more people in the room, the more, why? I'm an extrovert, therefore I, my energy comes from other people. However, introverts, energy comes from within. Miss Joni gets more energy by herself than any human I've ever seen. I can't even think when I'm alone. I'm like somebody bouncing off the wall somewhere. Well, let's just sit down and let's just think about this. No, let's talk about it. If we talk about it, I'll get somewhere. If we sit and think about it, I probably won't get anywhere. My sermons come from my prayers. I pray out loud. And as I'm praying out loud and I'm talking to God, that's where it comes from. See, do you understand? So it, 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 one's not right and one's not wrong. Just know who you are. And that God uses both kinds of people. God can use any kind of person and he gives us certain personality traits, but he can shape you in any situation and make you become, do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent, man. You don't believe me, do you? If you're an extrovert, he can use you as an introvert. If you're an introvert, he can put you into a situation and cause the spirit of God to rise up in you and you begin to say things you didn't even think about. Because God, oh, he's a great God, isn't he? Isn't it exciting to be in the kingdom? Are you having a good time? Are you having as much as me? All right, take out a piece of paper, quick. Quick, anything, offering envelope, they're free, anything. I want you to do something very quickly. How much time do I have? Okay, I see, thank you, ladies. Okay, get on, everybody, 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 get a pen, share one with your neighbor. All I want you to do is write your signature. Just write your signature. Go ahead, just write your signature. You know, the way you'd sign a check or something. I'm gonna transpose it on an offering envelope and fill in the blanks. <laughs> no, just write your signature. Just write your signature. You got it? It's not that difficult, right? Okay, now put your pen or your pencil in the other hand. Now write your signature. Go ahead. Listen to the groaning. Listen to him groan. You got it? Okay. Now, here's, here's all I'm pointing out to you. You can write with either hand. 
You can, you just did. But you have a preference. Don't you? Okay, and your preference, your preference is what determines or an indicator of your personality type. This is how easy it is to determine what kind of a personality type you are. Personality types simply deal with preferences. The key to identifying your preferences is what's your idea of a good time? What do you like to do? Okay, for some folks, a good time is let's party. The more the merrier, the louder the better. Let's get as many people as we can. Pack them into the car like clowns into a Volkswagen. For other people, they would much prefer a quiet dinner with one person. Some folks would rather go through a carryout, sit down on their couch with their blousy pants and watch a movie by themselves. You see, so what, what, do you, what do you enjoy? Well, certainly sometimes you enjoy either. You see, so you may need at times to work outside of your preference. Don't give up. You didn't say, I hope you didn't. Well, I'm not writing with my left hand. So when you're asked to do something outside your preference, be a Christian. What does that mean? Whatever your hand, whichever one it is, finds to do, come on, do it with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't give up. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. If your boss wants you to climb a tree, wear your doggone dog paws out trying to climb the thing. Run away in a huff. Make me an Well, that's a sure road to advancement. That's a sure road to leadership. Amen. You know the kind of people that employers like? I've had several people like this. I just love to hire people and give them an assignment that they've never done before and watch how they react. Because I know in that moment if I have a leader or not. And a leader is a leader is a leader. You know what leaders say? I say, hey, I thought about you doing this. Well, I'll give it my best shot. Well, have you ever done it before? No. You know how to do it? No, but I know where the internet is. I know somebody that knows how to do it. I had an aunt that way. It didn't matter what she was asked to do. She would get jobs and I would say, Naomi, how in the world do you get that job in that office at that place of business, I mean, she'd be next to the president of a company that she knew nothing about. I'd say, what are you doing? She said, I told that guy I'd learned to do it. Actually, I told him I could do it. 
and I'm right now learning how. Oh, you want to advance? Be that kind of a person. Don't be a person. Well, that's outside my skill set. Wouldn't it be terrible if you had to stretch yourself? Okay, that went over big. Where am I? Where am I? Grammar lesson number two. Rhetorical. Rhetorical. Employed for rhetorical effect with regard to a question asked merely for effect with no answer expected. Such a rhetorical question is, what were you thinking? Somebody asked you that, and you, you start in now. Now, on the autism spectrum disorder, you would have a tendency to try to answer that question because they can't distinguish between rhetorical questions and a regular question. I was in a, I was in a great autism spectrum disorder conference once, and there was a young man up there, and a lady said, man, I'd, and I, I think he'd only gone to the eighth grade, and, but he was extremely bright, very brilliant. And, and she said, she said, well, I, I could just see you running for president. And he said, well, you know, I have some issues that I think would hinder me from doing that. He, he didn't understand she was making a rhetorical question. And so that's what rhetorical means. Do you understand? I wasn't expecting a response. <laughs> now I am. Do you understand? That was not rhetorical. <laughs> Quote number two, as I grow older, I pay less and less attention to what men say and rather watch what they do. And that was the great Andrew Carnegie. Scripture number two, James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers, deceiving yourself. The most common instrument to evaluate personalities is Myers-Briggs type indicator. Don't pay much attention to it. It's way too expensive for you and it's way too hard to administer. So we're not gonna talk about it much. At Valor, we use the more accessible, comprehensive personality plan, uh, plan from the book Wired That Way by Marita Latauer, Litauer. It's based on the Greek thinker Hippocrates theory. So this, this, is, this is pretty old stuff. This didn't come out in the 70s. It was based on Hippocrates' theory that people could be divided into four basic groups which depended on their body chemistry in all actuality. In AD 190, the Greek physician Galen built on Hippocrates' ideas and began calling them the four temperaments. They are sanguine, caloric, melancholy, and phlegmatic. Most everyone has one dominant personality type and then some features of one or two others. Some of us are just a messed up mess because I, I take these tests and I come out three or four all the time. It's just a mess. Amen. Sanguines, high energy people who are fun loving. They're outgoing. They're the life of the party types. Chlorics, goal oriented, live to achieve those goals. They are born leaders. Melancholies, quiet, 
deep, thoughtful. They are more often than not detail-oriented perfectionists that drive everybody else crazy. Phlegmatics, they're more balanced, they're more contented with life, they're steady, they're easygoing. Yes? Those are the four types. There are some caveats. Type is not destiny. You understand what I'm saying? I'm looking for a response. You understand what I'm saying? Type is not destiny. Because you find yourself as one of these types does not mean that God can't use you in other roles. Don't use that as an excuse. The Bible is full of God choosing unlikely leaders. He can make you what he needs you to be in any season. Type suggests preference, not abilities to work outside those preferences. You need to be stretched. Never use personality type as an excuse to say you can't do thus and so because. Never do that or you'll never advance. They do reflect your strengths and weaknesses. Remember, our weaknesses are often our strengths. Oh my gosh, I wish I had an hour right here. Our weaknesses are often our greatest strengths taken to unhealthy extremes. Got it? Taken to unhealthy extremes. For example, a caloric who has has to be in charge of everything, every time, even things that no one has given them any authority in. Anybody know those folks? There are none in this room or out there. Does anybody know those types? I don't care what it is, they know everything about everything and they are in charge no matter what. Now, they haven't done the five things they were supposed to do that day, but they'll knock 20 people out of the way, taking authority that doesn't belong to them, telling other people what to do. I'm having a time that's out of order. If no one's given you authority or a leadership role in that area, hush. Hush. You're in rebellion to authority. All right, that's out of order. Or people who dominate every conversation. You are not excused, dear one, because you are a sanguine. You're not excused. Oh my gosh, we had a guy one time, long time ago, like 180 years ago. And it didn't matter what conversation was, he would start in about his kids. Do you know this guy? We could be talking about jet airliners and somehow his kids saw one one time and they were in a field and they were getting... <laughs> you wanna see pictures? No! <laughs> I, saw, I saw that lady, she's way up in her 80s, Martha something or other. She was on, I think, Golden Girls or something like that. What? Betty White. That's what I'm talking about. Betty White. Betty White said, I don't, I don't understand Facebook. In my day, it was considered torture to have to look at people's kids' pictures. 
and vacation pictures. Oh, now it's Facebook everywhere and you gotta look at all that stuff. I don't wanna look at it. (laughs) Seeing you just the way you are is perfectly fine with me. Any less cover up on your vacay? Don't want, don't want to see it. I just don't, I just, I just don't want to see it. Amen. All right. Uh, God uses both stars and candles to light his world. Don't be tempted to type people just because of these descriptions. You'll make a mistake because of a phenomenon called masking. Masking is a cat who learns that being, uh, an extrovert in, in his workplace uh, gets kudos from the boss. So he behaves that way, even though that's not him. And then he marries a young woman from the office. And then she wakes up at home and he wants to lay on the couch and has no enthusiasm and would rather just sit at home than go out to the party. And she says, well, we used to go to the office party and she doesn't understand. He was wearing a mask. She says, but I, where's the guy I married? And you just wanna just step in the situation and say, you looking at him, honey. You looking at him. So don't, wearing masks is exhausting. Don't try to be something you're not, amen? Don't try to be something you're not. Uh, let me go to, uh, let, let's, let's, say, let's say that uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna do some, some home groups in the church. And we say, you're gonna have fellowship together and we're gonna eat together and we're gonna pray together. Here's the way the four different groups would look at that. The sanguine would see an opportunity for a new audience and split your church. The caloric sees a new group of people to be in charge of. The phlegmatic thinks that sounds all right and happy just to go along with everybody else. And the poor melancholy is looking for a warm bathtub and a razor blade and some love music. They just, you just described their worst nightmare. I'm telling you right now, I'm one of them. That just in no way sounds appealing to me. There's just like nothing about that that I want to sign up for. But you love people. Well, yeah, but I don't want to go. I hate to eat with people. I'll give you a hint. We'll have business meetings here at the ministry and, you know, people want to eat. And, and I always have something I have to do because I would almost rather pull my fingernails out as to have to sit at a table and converse with people while I'm eating. I crunch! It's just not something I enjoy. Other people love it. Do you understand? Now, sometimes I have to stretch, don't I? Sometimes I have to do it. I have had to sit at the same table with presidents and eat. 
I don't want to sit at a table with Elder G and eat. Or any of the rest of you. I love you. There's a reason I don't come to your house for chicken. I don't enjoy it. Is that okay? Do you love me anyway? I'm sure you make wonderful chicken. Send it to me. I'll take it home. <laughs> Do you know where I eat most of my meals? In my car in parking lots. Don't say, ah, I like it. I see you all going to dinner. Let's go to Applebee's. No. I don't want to go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sanguines at work. I've got 16 minutes. Sanguines at work thrive in a creative role. Thrive. Just love it. They're good as long as they're interacting with people. They love variety. They are not good with details. They're just not. One of, one of the most difficult things to find in the workplace, if you will, is somebody who won't tell you you have 15 minutes when you just said you had 16. No. I love you, Lori. Is our creative people who have any ability to pay any attention to details or detail-oriented people that have a creative bone anywhere in their body? That's the hardest thing to find. So if you're one of those people, you ought to be advancing. Good when interacting with people, love variety, not good with details. Often present with humor. That, that's, that's how they get their point across. They often, therefore, are not taken seriously. We had a guy around here a long time, and, and I told him, you've got to stop being funny all the time. Because he wanted to be a pastor. I said, you have to stop being funny. Because I would watch people. And no matter what he did, everybody was always waiting on the punchline. And if they didn't hear a punchline, they didn't know how to respond to him. You understand? So your greatest strength can also become your greatest weakness. Okay? Uh, often, they're not taken seriously. They're not believed. They can be very poor. I proved it a hundred times. They're not good at handling money. You, you give a sanguine a role of handling money, you're going to lose money. They're going to misplace money. They couldn't find a receipt if Jesus came and led the way. They're not good with money. If your wife's a sanguine or your husband's a sanguine, chances are pretty good you should be more in charge of the money situation of your family. I just saved you a bunch of trouble. Man came to me and said, my wife's doing this and my wife's doing that and my wife with our finances and I found out we were, and she just, and I said, well, who has the checkbook? Well, she does. I said, well, you're the knucklehead, not her. 
She's never going to be able to do that. She doesn't have the inward ability. She's not gifted to do that. So he sat her down. They had that conversation. He took the checkbook and never had another financial problem. Okay, you're just staring. Hey, these folks are really good on phones. They sell icicles to Eskimos. I'm telling you right now. Amen. The clerk at work thrives, thrives in leadership roles. They're born leaders. They see everything as urgent. Everything. It doesn't matter. Everything is urgent. There's going to be a storm three days from now. Where are the umbrellas? And why didn't somebody already have the umbrellas here knowing that it was going to storm three days from now? Well, we don't need them right now. They see everything is urgent. Everything is urgent. Uh, they have to be busy. They will take on more than they can do. They will. It's their nature. Why? They work better with deadlines. So they purposefully pile things on themselves so they have to get it done. You understand? So they, they, just, they just do it. I, I can see some of you live with some of these people or you know somebody that's like this. They are best at sizing up a situation and then mobilizing others to solve problems. Give them something to do and then get out of their way. Give them something to do and get out of their way. They present with authority and intensity, which can be an issue. They present with authority and intensity. They are often too authoritative and too intense. They get bored every three minutes. Just bored. Why? They're always looking for something new. Always something to do every minute. Everything's urgent. They get bored with repetitive tasks. They do not make good factory line workers. Uh, uh, let's see. They are very good at the big picture, but can get disinterested in detail work. These are folks that can't see the trees for the forest. They, they only see the big picture. And then there's the melancholy at work. Thrives with details. These are the visor people. These are the people that are going to scratch it until it barks. They are going to find it. They are going to dig. They are going to search. They have got their magnifying glass and their visor and a light, and they're going to find it. You with me? I, I, I love to work with people like this. They thrive with details. They're meticulous. They are planners. They are record keepers. They are sensitive to the needs of others. Very sensitive to these of their detail mind makes them that way. They pick up things in other people. They're constantly hurting for somebody else. Always. Um, they can be intolerant of mistakes and easily distracted by the need to have everything perfect. Your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness. I'll just tell this story. I hope she doesn't mind. My daughter is a born leader. We, Joni and I just sit back and look at her and we're like, dear Jesus, help us all. But she's been that way since she was born. 
and it can become a great weakness. We took her to skating class, ice skating. She strapped the skates on, never had them on in her life. Went out, saw some other girl doing one of these things. She went out and tried it, fell. Got up, tried it again, fell. Took her skates off, threw them against the wall, said I'm never doing it again. If she couldn't do it absolutely right, the first time she tried it, she wasn't gonna do it anymore. So we had to shake a little of that out of her. Oh, and yours are perfect. Some of you would cut another kid with her skates. Uh, the lady over here went. Okay. Um, sometimes the perfection, the perfect situation is the enemy of good. You're always perfecting. You're all, you never get finished with anything. You're always fixing it again, fixing it again, fixing it again, fixing it again. Leave it alone, it's done. Better to have it 85% good and done than 100% and three days late. Oh, I just helped you. All right. Uh, can seem overly intellectual and emotionally distant. Don't, don't connect well. Can be OCD. For me, it's CDO. I can't even stand the letters not to be in alphabetical order. I'm trying to get in here. I'm in a hurry. I'm in the restroom. I noticed, you know little things you pull off the top of, of, of Kleenex? There was one of them back behind the sink. I left the room and had to go back and get it. I just, I can't do that. I can't, it's a problem. Walking down a hall and straightening every picture. You're annoying. I know. You understand? Okay. Uh, they can be, they're good at detail work but struggle with the big picture. They can't see the forest for the trees. The phlegmatic at work thrive in a supporting role even if they're more than capable of being in the front row, they are more, more comfortable in a support role. They can be undisciplined because they have a tendency to be indecisive. These are the folk that get people like me just because they go to McDonald's and they stand in front of that menu and it takes them 10 minutes to decide they're gonna get the same meal they've ordered a thousand times. The menu has not changed, honey. Just order something. I tell people when I do have to eat with them, if we go in a restaurant and it takes you more than 190 seconds to make up your mind what you're gonna eat, I'm going to the bathroom. Make up your mind, here we go. But I'm not right and they're not right. We're both wrong and we just love each other, amen? Joni and I. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I got her back for last Sunday night, that's the deal. Uh, let's see. Uh, they're versatile and they're always calming. You know people like that? It's, it's just, just when they're there, everything just seems to just calm down. It's a gift. It's, it's a great gift. 
uh, they present calmly. Therefore, they are much more believable. We just, they don't have to get all in a ruckus about it. They just present calmly. Attorneys either have or learn this gift. Like I'm from Kentucky, right? We will go all hillbilly up on you. I have been with attorneys in elevators and them just absolutely just shredding each other and they never raise their voice and their veins never stick out and they're just as calm as they can be. I'm like, I'll choke you. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll ask for your forgiveness and we won't go to dinner, but I'll buy yours. They can come across too low-keyed, sometimes dull, which can be misinterpreted for lazy. They're not lazy. It's their nature. And you try to make them be something else, and you're going to be disappointed, and they're going to be frustrated. Okay? There's a difference in this personality type and just being lazy. Because you can be lazy in all four types. Lazy is a disease. I can fix unintelligent, lazy, I can't help. I can't help you. That has, that has to be, that was trained into you and it's gotta be taken out of you. And I will cast it out in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Uh, they're steady under pressure. Um, they have no sense of urgency. <laughs> Nothing is ever urgent. They despise the word deadline. They just. I went to Brother John Osteen's office, Joel's daddy. We were great friends. He was 30, 40 years older than me, but we were great friends. And I went to his office one day, it was a Monday. There was a sign on the door. The sign said, be back, gone to lunch, be back in two hours. I waited. Brother Osteen came back, he said, come on Rod, into my office. We went into his office, he was like Mr. Rogers. He took off his business suit and put on a sweater, cardigan. And he said, here, you sit here in a big chair. And he said, let's put our feet up. <laughs> I said, Brother Osteen, it's Monday. You have this enormous congregation. Was everybody gone for two hours? Oh, yeah, some of them won't be back for three or four hours. I said, when do you get your Sunday offerings deposited? He said, oh, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> and he could see me just. <laughs> he said, Rod, and he patted me. He said, there's one word I do not allow said in my ministry. Would you like to know? I was like. He said, deadline. There are no deadlines. Oh. 
What a great man. He was the greatest pastor, the greatest pastor gift I've ever known. These folks have no sense of urgency. An effective leader will give people an opportunity to use their personality to maximum advantage for the team and value everyone's contributions appropriately. That extends to how you recognize good performance. The sanguine would most likely appreciate to be brought up in front of the congregation and everybody applaud and tell everybody everything they've done since the time they were born. If you tried to do that to a melancholy, they would be looking for a carpet tear so they could crawl under the carpet because that's the worst way to recognize them. They don't want public attention. It makes them uncomfortable. Last thing, grammar lesson number three. What's wrong with this picture? Apostrophe's in the wrong place, isn't it? Quote number three, the nose of the bulldog has been slanted backwards so that he can breathe without letting go. Winston Churchill. Ephesians 6.13, therefore take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Amen. Now, there's a wonderful thing that you can do. So anyway, you can go online, just Google, Google search personality types or any of those four names and there'll be 10 different tests that come up that you can take. Joanna, uh, who's been serving with me for, I don't know, 30 years, uh, she said this afternoon she took like five tests and they all came out the same. And I said, you've been with me 30 years, girl. I could have told you everything that I told you. <laughs> Amen. Lord, bless these. Give us leaders. Use us. In Jesus' name, extend the borders of our habitation, lengthen our cords, strengthen our stakes, increase our effectiveness and influence for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, for his glory, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.